You're listening to The Big Finish Podcast, release date the 30th of May, 2021. Right. It speeds fantastic. Far beyond escape velocity. It shouldn't be orbiting. Two minutes to zero, Scott. Uh, What are the mass and velocity readings? Mass is... is... Scott, uh, switch the scope to base relay beam, uh, uh, quick. Welcome to all of you. I'm Benji Clifford, he's Nick Briggs, and here's what's coming up. In a moment, we talk about those Big Finish podcast characters that everyone, including us, has forgotten about. Oh, amazing. Can you hear the birds tweeting in the background here? I can sort of hear them, but it's sort of being overshadowed by the hedge trimmers, lawnmowers, hammering, cars, everything that's going on outside my my window. So A cacophony. Uh, Next up, we'll be sampling all the best reviews of Big Finish releases. This week, we're looking at Doctor Who short trips, the shattered hourglass. Time was theirs to command. Shattering noise. Uh, Then it'll be time to delve into listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. Right after that, we'll be off behind the scenes with Doctor Who Out of Time 2 Gates of Hell starring Peter Davison and David Tennant plus Cybermen Cybermen dozens of them then of course we'll be making our weekly stop off at the Randomoids Electatron and that's where we give you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release you will surrender the schematics no I tried to say very random but I actually said very random very very random Scooby Doo's entered the room (laughs) very random (laughs) (laughs) and to round things off (laughs) we'll crash Back into the danger zone of the worlds of Jerry Anderson for an historic drama tease of the first 15 minutes of Thunderbirds Terror from the Stars. The Rolls Royce, please, Parker. Yes, belated. Scott, can you read me? So, yes, what on earth happened <laughs> to all those big Finnish podcast characters? We've had so many over the years. We've had, had the, the, the Singing been... Man. The Singing Man. Now, why was The Singing Man ever in existence? Do you remember? I remember you talking about watching some old programme from years and years ago and there was some man on there who was just sort of singing, sort of not even drunkenly, (laughs) just singing. Doing all that sort of stuff. That's right. It was a documentary where a chap had gone around London recording people. He said, this chap here who's known to sing to passers-by. And, and we've got a recording of him now. And it was just, I'm going to see you down the line. Oh, I, you know, it was just, it was just like not even a song. So it was him. We've it was obviously uh, Ernie the Yeti. Oh, Ernie the Yeti was an absolute <laughs> classic. And, he, you know, the thing is, he, he, he lives on in my mind. You know, Did he say he sounded a bit like a loo flushing backwards? <laughs> uh, we also Field had Marshal Montgomery. Field, Ma- Field Marshal Montgomery. Uh, the policeman Tom Baker at the door, of course. Oh, how dare that? Was a- Hello? Oh, let me in. You're <laughs> under arrest. Yes. Ha <laughs> <laughs> What was that one we had the other day? This is probably the most recent one. That character who's something space or something like that, and he's not got much space, so he talks like this. <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah, I haven't got much space. No, uh, that could also be the cyber leader from... Yes. Sorry, that's something like Tom Baker as the cyber leader. I am the, the cyber Baker leader. Hours. Harry Sullivan is an imbecile. Yeah, give me the bow. Um, oh, dear, oh, dear. 
That's from Silver Nemesis, isn't it? Give me the bow. Yes. Give me the bow. Who is that woman? I love it. Excellent. (laughs) Social workers. Great story. Um, Well, Tom Baker, the policeman, what... Why did why did we do that? I don't know, to be honest. None of these things were scripted, I have to say. No, I, th- I think it was that we were doing a joke that involved a policeman being at the door and either yourself or, or me presumably did the voice that sounded a bit like Tom Baker, to which we then said, oh, it's just Tom Baker at the door. Well, I do get at the door, you know. Um, <laughs> in fact, it was only yesterday that somebody posted a photo of Tom Baker at a glass door and I sent it to you didn't yeah, I said that's policeman Tom Baker that was Tom you know, Baker it's a bit of a madhouse this podcast isn't it it's, you don't ever really know what you're going to get no I remember that I, there was some I used to try to convince Paul Sprague that there was someone hiding between the desk and the wall or something <laughs> and he was going no Nick that's you doing the voice you know <laughs> like no it isn't I'm still behind the desk or I don't know <laughs> But he, yes, that was highly amusing. Was there anyone else at all? Uh, oh, there was Percy the Pipsqueak, what? that little oh. character. Yeah, you know, he was quite fun, wasn't Wee. he? Yeah. <laughs> there he goes. Oh, man. <laughs> He's better than I remember. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? Oh, the uh, and we used to say buck up a lot, but we didn't yeah, say we I think I said it. it the other week when I was reading out an email. Buck up, big well, finish. The, the thing about buck up is it's it's all good, but until lozenges give us that, that sponsorship, I just I'm not prepared to, to put my vocal cords on the line. Um, <laughs> no, I think you're very well. You know, strep sill. Um Lola. And and, and the, the final uh, character I'd I'd like to mention is um Oh, you know the one I'm until his name is uh, Percival. Uh, no, it's not Percival. That's too close to Percy. Uh, <laughs> his name is. I'm just, his name is uh, Arnold, the uh, acrobatic alien rabbit. Oh, the acrobatic alien rabbit. Yeah. Oh what, gosh, how yeah. did he sound? What did he sound like? He said. <laughs> Sort of like that, wasn't it? You know, definitely. That was him spinning round on something. I think there. Yeah, he had three well, ears, didn't he? And that's one, right. And one leg. Or, yeah, and the ears were on his back. That's right, like a stegosaurus, <laughs> but a very fluffy one. <laughs> well, and if any of you listening, if indeed anyone is still listening, <laughs> you out there, would like to remind us of some other characters that have featured in uh, this podcast, or indeed the other podcasts that feature in other dimensions, clearly. <laughs> Do write into podcast at bigfinish.com to suggest uh, some great characters. Serious mm. entries only, please. It's very, you know, <laughs> this come is on, the most come serious on. point I've ever made in this podcast. Absolutely. Well, you know, talking of serious points, I'm pointing yes. over there to the latest reviews. <gasps> As promised, this week it's Doctor Who Short Trips, The Shattered Hourglass. From Big Finish Productions. Time was theirs to command. Not merely time, but the whole of reality. That's what the Time Marshal believed, what she knew. Doctor Who Short Trips, The Shattered Hourglass. We have a lone intruder. They appeared suddenly one level below us and are making their way here via the east elevator. Hourglass. This is the Marshal. Hello, Marshal. A 
booming voice, female and almost childlike, echoed through the chamber. Oh, the voice is a lovely touch, the doctor said. It gave itself a voice, actually. I am not capable of empathy, doctor. Time lock the individual known as the doctor. Remove him from reality. Confirmed. Big finish. We love stories. Just go to bigfinish.com, type hourglass, that's one word, just in case not you think glass, it might be hourglass. two. Yeah, no, not, not glass pane, not um, glass of sherry, just hourglass. Put it in the search pane at the top to find this beauty. First up, uh, warpfactor.com, Matthew Kestrel. All told, the shattered hourglass is another solid entry into the Big Finish short trips range for 2020. It's also, per recent announcements, the end of the monthly run of the range. Until the omnibus of half a dozen tails drops in September, this marks a nice temporary stopover and a strong one at that. Oh, well, just reading out reviews reminds me of the fact that I think someone's written in to uh, correct us on the pronunciation of someone's name, but I don't know who it is, and so that'll have to wait till next time, so we may just get it wrong again. Uh, the Doctor Who Companion.com, uh, Elliot Wood, says the story gets stronger and stronger as it goes on and feels very much like a piece of 20th century science fiction, in a good way, as it were, from TV comic, while also tying in brilliantly to the 10th Doctor's television run. The Pièce de Résistance is the final reveal of the 35-minute tale, which has the Doctor wandering off with a grin on his face and leaving the listener with the same. A recommended buy, B-U-Y, that is. Not buy, B-Y-E, buy. Recommended, bye. See ya, bye. Winter is coming, James Agus. Agus, I always get it wrong. I'm so sorry, James. That's probably what the email's about. Probably. Love you to bits, though. The Shattered Hourglass is a fascinating look at an area of the Doctor Who universe that's only been briefly explored in the past. More than that, it's a solid 10th Doctor story set at an important part of his life. Certainly a recommended listen. SciFiBulletin.com, Paul Simpson whoever he is. <laughs> uh, this is the last of the monthly short trips. Like so much of Big Finish's output series future is a box set. Mm. I didn't read that out correctly, but I think if you play that back uh, in reverse and pitch it down, you'll get the meaning. And the range in its current format goes out on a high. Nine out of ten. Praise indeed from Paul Simpson there. And now the weather. You're right, Benji's readjusting his Just, microphone. I was readjusting, I thought I'd take a photo whilst we were in the action. Look at, look yeah. at that glorious snap there. Oh, he's taking See. a photo of the microphone and me in the background on the Zoom. What more Chat. do we want? Just just evidence that, that we are here right now. Well, uh, Nottenst, uh, that's, what it's at, that's on Twitter, at Nottenst. Nottenst. Uh, listen to the Shattered Hourglass. Uh, from Doctor <laughs> Who, the short trip by Robert Napton uh, from Big Finish Today. St another great short trip. St St At Carl Will four two six zero one three three seven St says, uh, is, "I wonder whether that number is um, significant." It now is in my life. The latest and last main monthly short trip from big finish is The Shattered Hourglass by Robert Napton. We know that! Oh, a very entertaining 10th Doctor tale brilliantly performed by Neve McIntosh, who does a fun take on 10th Doctor. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Uh, going to miss this as a monthly range. I directed it, by the way, I'd just like to mention. Well, and then you'll like this yeah. next one. It's from yeah. Selim Penn's Fiction uh, on Twitter. Just listen to Doctor Who short trips The Shattered Hourglass. <laughs> 
from Big Finish. It shouldn't be surprising that the story is excellent, given its author, Robert Napton. And with delightful narration from Neve McIntosh, you can't go wrong. You can't. And you won't. And let's hope we don't go wrong next week as well, because um, uh, it's another Doctor Who short trips release. This time it'll be free speech. Coming up pretty soon, we'll be going behind the scenes with our very exciting Fifth Doctor and Tenth Doctor crossover release, Doctor Who Out of Time 2, Arsenal Nil, Gates of Hell. But first up is Holy Listener's Emails. That's right. Welcome to the Madhouse. And if you want to join us here on our journey... Uh, it's so easy. All you have to do is fax us on the number below. No, you don't. You just send us an email. It's podcast at bigfinish.com. Send it in and we might read it out. We might not. It depends. depends. We do get a lot of uh, emails. Sometimes we have to do a clear out in the cupboard uh, to, just to get in. Um, this one here is from Alan Hume. I hope I said that right. Uh, R.E. Blake hmm. 7 question. Uh, hey guys, inquiries gave me your contact details as they couldn't help with my question. I oh. uh, just wanted to ask why Big Finish can't do Blake Seven's season four stories. I heard that you don't have the license for that season. Why not if you have the license for the others? Will you be getting the license for season four at any point? I think it is a big loss to the collection that you can't do stories set in season four and would love to see some. Alan Hume. Well, Nick, you're you're the man to ask. Yes, um, you're correct. We don't have a license for that, and you know, it's just one of those rights issues that can't be resolved. I'm afraid. So, really, really sorry about that, Alan. But there's loads of other Blake Seven stuff on the Big Finish site. Sorry, that's not a very satisfying answer. It's just the truth. <gasps> Next up, Adam Ross, who's written into us quite a lot, I think. But here's one of his 52 emails. I'm only joking, Adam. It's not 52. I think it's. 51. Uh, listener email, Third Doctor Adventure Review. Dear Nick and Benji, I have currently finished listening to the latest Third Doctor Adventures box set and I must say it was quite a good quality release. Oh, that's nice. The Unzal incursion was the Pertwee Season 7 equivalent of Marvel's Captain America Winter Soldier. An intense, exciting drama with a great soundtrack and top-notch performances from Tim Trelaw, Daisy Ashford and John Colshaw, who were all in Captain America, I believe. They were. Uh, the Gulf was an atmospheric base under siege, dripping with a spooky atmosphere and a great performance from Sadie Miller as Sarah Jane Smith, who goes from strength to strength in the role. I can't correct. disagree with any of that. Correct, 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 correct. As this was the first pure recast release for the third Doctor Adventures, yeah, I suppose it was. I don't think that really hit me. I just got on with it. I thought it was a quite top-notch production. Many kudos to the production team and I eagerly look forward to Volume 8 in a couple of months. Uh, before I go, I just wanted to ask a few questions. Uh, which way to the toilet? No, sorry. Uh, firstly, I was wondering if Big Finish would consider having the Master meeting Captain John Hart in an audio adventure, given that both John Hart and the Master are the evil counterparts to both Captain Jack and the Doctor. It would be interesting to see uh, how are they, they spar against each other yeah sorry I was just thinking are they I don't think we're considering that I can safely say uh, secondly uh, would Big Finish ever consider introducing Faction Paradox from the 8th Doctor novels into the Time War range as they would be perfectly suited for the Time War and would be quite a dangerous foe for the Doctor no plans to do that at the moment and finally are there any plans for more Paternoster gang audios very probably uh, kind regards as always Adam 
Thank you very much, Adam, on that one. We've got one last one here from David. Uh, David Richardson. No, it's not from David Richardson, our producer, no. Uh, this one's Dalek Empire. Well, this is right up your strass, oh, Nick. Yeah. Uh, hi, Nick and Benji, but mostly Nick. Oh, that's charming, isn't it? Charming, <laughs> charming. God, I don't know. I'll have you, Dave. Um, this is not really intended for the podcast, but I just wanted to let you know that I have just finished listening to Dalek Empire and thought it was absolutely magnificent. Yes, if I can say here, I realise you say you don't, you didn't want it for the podcast, but you did send it to the podcast address. And, so uh, and I loved it so much, I thought I'd put this in. It's a little egotistical of me. I hope you don't mind, David. I actually purchased the four series ages ago when they were on sale and too good a bargain to resist. Don't take this the wrong way, but I've never been that interested in Dalek Empire. And for some reason, I always thought that Daleks were a bit ridiculous on TV and have never understood why people like them so much and think so much of them. You're probably appalled by that. Uh, so anyway, I thought I'd get Dalek Empire and maybe get around to listening to it one day when I got through everything else. And then it was re-released last year and the promotional feature on the podcast got me thinking that it sounded good and that oh, I should yeah. give it a go. So I listened to the first episode and was hooked. Dalek Empire has to be one of the best pieces of entertainment that I've ever seen, heard or read anywhere. Oh, wow. I've listened to the whole series twice now. The second time made me appreciate the intricacies of it even more. As mentioned previously, this isn't meant for the podcast, as it might come across, come, come across, come across as being a bit immodest if you were to read it out loud. That's why he's got me reading it. Exactly. But I really see my plan. Wanted to let you know how much I enjoyed Dalek Empire, particularly since it was so much of your project, Nick. Thank you. This, thank you. This is the first time that I felt a need to write a fan letter sort of thing to anyone but DE is so amazing epic gripping awesome etc that I felt obliged to congratulate you and to thank you for the pleasure that you have given anyway have a great day regards Dave Sharp so Dave I hope you don't mind that it was a bit egotistical of me but it was such a lovely letter and it's nice to get some positivity out there in these troubled times um, uh, yeah uh, I did put my heart and soul into it it's one of my favourite things that I did and I, it's so lovely to uh, A realise that someone else likes it and B find out that promoting it in a podcast a while back actually did the trick for someone <laughs> so very happy about that did you hear there was a bird made a really loud noise during that email I didn't hear anything I was too busy in, I was in the zone you see yeah yeah fair, fair point I was in point. the bird zone um, listen there'll be some more emails next time just a reminder that we'll be giving you a 15 minute tease of Thunderbirds terror from the stars Ooh. at the end of the podcast but that was the terror going off to the stars but before we do that let's get right behind those old scenes with david tennant and peter davison the 10th and 5th doctors as they enter the gates of hell hello i'm david richardson i'm the producer of out of time 2 you you well are you didn't we there was that and we yeah, but that and was this a... time, then how? Oh, this is weird. Very strange. Out of Time 2 was talked about long before we were even talking about Out of Time 1, I remember. Um, in the very early days when we started working with David Tennant at Big Finish, we were kind of floating the idea, well, wouldn't it be fun if we did an episode with David and Peter Davison? Uh, they know each other so well, their family... 
Time Crash they did together on the TV and went so well and you know they had such brilliant chemistry in that so you know all the ideas had been circulating and it was only when we got to 2020 and um, David became available because of the shutdown because of Covid lockdown that uh, discussion started again so we did Out of Time 1 with Tom and after we worked our way through that then we we came to revisit Out of Time 2. I am David Llewellyn and I am the writer of Out of Time 2, The Gates of Hell. So what do we do now? About a hat? About the fact that Paris and quite possibly the Earth has been taken over by Cybermen. Oh yeah. That World War II isn't happening, that about a billion fixed points in time have been rubbed out of existence and that the effect of all this could destroy the entire universe. Well, we need to fix it. It was really strange getting this offer come in because it was quite early on during the lockdown. So, you know, I was kind of bracing myself for not having much to do and being bored out of my mind. And then suddenly I had the offer of writing for not one but two doctors, both particular favourites of mine. Uh, I grew up watching the fifth doctor. He was my doctor. He was the one I kind of first saw on TV so I jumped at the chance, really. It was, a, it was a, a, a chance to keep myself busy and my mind occupied. But also just the, the pure joy of being able to write for these particular incarnations of the Doctor and the, and, the, and the Cybermen as well, which I've never written. I haven't had to write for them before. And so I was really thrilled, and then it was a little bit daunting. My name is David Tennant. I play the Doctor. I'm Peter Davison. I play Doctor Number Five. Ah, look, here's something. Ah, Joseph Delon of the Delon Manufacturing Company was questioned by the gendarme in relation to the disappearance of over a hundred aristocrats during the year 1793, tail end of the French Revolution. Released without charge. What does that mean? Well, it was quite fun, really, as we said in the script. <laughs> I thought it was. It seemed to go quite quickly, didn't you think? I thought it went incredibly quickly. I don't know if that's a testament to how professionally we work together. It must be that, mustn't it? No, it's been lovely. It's been really good fun, actually. And indeed, the doctors themselves seem to be having a lot of fun, which is uh, quite a nice dynamic, I think. I think it must be. (laughs) Yes, it must be. Recreating that special relationship from Time Crash 2007. I think the dynamic between them is a difficult one because you're also now aware, or I think most listeners will be aware, that there is a, a kind of relationship between the two, between the fifth and the tenth doctors off screen. And so it's difficult not to play up to that just a little bit, not too obviously, I hope, and, and in a way that's kind of playful and fun. But there is a sense of it's almost there's a sense of seniority to the the fifth doctor because even though the tenth doctor actually has more experience, so it's there's a tension there, where where the the, the fifth doctor might seem more like the father or great grandfather or whatever of the tenth doctor, but he's not. He's he's a younger incarnation of him, either, whichever way you look at it. So it's a yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's an odd one, but it, but it is quite. It's kind of playful, but also with a bit of friction and a bit of grit in there. I think. As you're the only combination of doctors I can ask this to, what's it like working with family? <laughs> it's rather lovely. It's rather lovely and rather odd that we're not in the same room, of course. Yes. I feel sorry for David, really, because I've, I've always felt, since I started, uh, my, the little videos that I did, you know, that initially about um, 
missing conventions. He's not been in a position to refuse my offer. <laughs> so I felt he's been dragged into it. Um, I hope he wasn't too. Oh, always very willingly. <laughs> But uh, um, uh, and now, of course, uh, well, I mean, I've just been watching stage, which is brilliant, and um, I must say that he's having to work with Georgia as well. So I don't know. <laughs> you'll have to ask him what that experience was like. I don't know. I think she might have been a bit bossy. <laughs> oh well, yeah. I always just do what I'm told. That's the easiest. You know, <laughs> that, uh, then life is easy. No, I know it's rather nice. It's lovely. It's uh, and it's um, it's nice to. Uh, you know, I suppose we first met each other in a, in a work environment, so it's uh, uh, it's quite nice to revisit that. Yeah. yeah. We have been expecting you, Doctor. From Big Finish Productions. We have been expecting you for some time. Doctor Who, out of time too. I'm with British intelligence. Look, here's my ID. Commander. Fleming? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's apparently, yep, that's that's what it says. Welcome to Paris. This is not how I remember the catacombs. I have witnessed its transformation from the subterranean quarries of my childhood to this magnificent ossuary. And who would that be? Blue box, robot dog. Uh, yes, the blue box bit is correct, but I no longer have a robot dog. Oh, shame. I love robot dogs. Unauthorized bio units located in sector three. You have to go! Something's coming, something dangerous! Everybody, please make your way to the exit in an orderly... It's me he's after. We need to distract him, lead him away from the others, or it'll be a massacre. Those? Cybermen. Dozens of them. What's happening? Does this house have a wine cellar? Of course. What is this about? No time to explain. Big finish. We love stories. The fact that Paris and quite possibly the Earth has been taken over by Cybermen. Oh, yeah. That World War II isn't happening, that about a billion fixed points in time have been rubbed out of existence, and that the effect of all this could destroy the entire universe. Well, we need to fix it. Obviously. Just go to bigfinish.com and type out of time two or gates of hell. Anything you like. <laughs> no, not anything you like. <laughs> into the search pane at the top and then you'll you'll be able to get that lovely release. And don't forget that the tease of the first 15 minutes of Thunderbirds will be with you very soon now. But first, it's... The Random Ones Electricon. <laughs> Electricon, what? The Electrified Sarandicon. Uh, the Randomoids Electricon. I can't say it this week. Ah, oh, I will normally do it one time. The Randomoids Selectatron, where we give you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Well, it's Dalek-y. If I do okay, say so, so yes, it's relating it's, uh, to it. Let's have a look. What have we got? It's 177 Doctor Who Daleks Among Us. Uh, Written right. by Alan Barnes, starring yeah. Sylvester McCoy and Tracy Charles. Here we go, here's the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who, Daleks Among Us. I know you know about what happened here 20 years ago. The invasion, yes. My friend the Doctor was there. After the war, neighbour turned on neighbour, ethnic group turned on ethnic group. There was terrible, bloody violence. When the Daleks invaded, they made people work for them. Yes, as slaves. Not just as slaves, as collaborators and informants, willing to do whatever they had to just to survive. Willing to murder and worse. You have tortured me. You have performed surgery on my brain. 
Six months later, and still, you have failed. You will surrender the schematics! No! <laughs> this has to stop! This mindless slaughter! It is what I exist for. Father is not quite uh, normal. What do you mean? There were things the Daleks did to him in their torture camps. Things that changed him. There are voices. Can't you hear them? They are among us. There are Daleks among us. <laughs> Father, there you are. Oh. This is Will Arrowsmith. It's a pleasure to meet you, sir. Do you never get tired of working in the dark? I do my best work in the dark. Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com. That's so funny that this has come up because Alan Barnes and I were chatting about it recently, mainly because of the accents in it, which I said that sometimes it sounded a bit like hello, hello, because everyone is being <laughs> French and German and doing the accents. Um, possibly not the wisest choice and, and maybe... <laughs> but anyway, it's a jolly good story and it's got Klein in, Tracy Childs as Klein. There's also uh, a, a, a character we had, uh, what was his name? Arrowsmith, wasn't it? Will Arrowsmith, who was a temporary companion, uh, played by the brilliant Christian Edwards. Uh, yeah, lots You're of in great it. You play the workman. I want to know. The workman. <laughs> yeah, and Ralph as well. Oh, yeah, please. obviously I'm the Daleks too, but yeah, they made use of me playing other things. The workman. <laughs> <laughs> I was all the workman. If you go on the website as well, uh, and you look in the backstage uh, oh, section yeah. there, you can also get uh, an e uh, a, a section of, I tried to say excerpt, but I always find it really hard when I'm in the flow of talking to say excerpt. <laughs> Um, you can see Sylvester uh, McCoy talking to Paul Sprague as well, uh, all about this story and the different things in it. So that's a good, fun read. Oh, uh, hats nice. off for including the Vortex stuff in there. Um, shall I tell you how, how you can get this discount? Oh, well, of course. Um, yes, you do that while I email uh, Jackie and Sue to tell them to set this offer live. Okay. Well, it's so simple. All you need to do is go to bigfinish.com. When you're on there, in the menu at the top, go to podcast, uh, podcasts. When you're in there, uh, you'll see the podcast in question. Click read more in the blurb. What a wonderful word that is. Um, so click here to receive 25% discount. Uh, you click here and enter the code BUCKUP. That's BUCKUP, all capital letters, B-U-C-K-U-P. No spaces, no replaces, no... Um, <laughs> Funny faces, faces. Hey, funny hey, faces, hey. yeah, yeah. Um, Did you none of that. You're too young, aren't you, uh, to know about funny faces, hey, hey, hey. I am too young to know about funny faces, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> funny faces was... Uh, hey, uh, hey, hey. I, uh, yeah, hey, hey, hey. Was uh, an ice cream lolly. It was made of ice cream, but it had a stick in it. In the 60s, I think, or maybe early 70s. And um, it just had a funny face on it. And... <laughs> And the uh, advert used to have a song that used to go, funny faces, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the guy who used to do the voice for the uh, Magic Roundabout, Eric Thompson, oh. was it? Used to do the voiceover. Funny faces. <laughs> <laughs> and all these kids just running around with these ice creams. I'm typing yeah. in, funny faces, So ice no cream. one can say funny faces to me without me wanting to go, hey, hey, hey. They're it's, actually, mind you, it's you like if someone says Stingray, I have to say da-da-da-da-da Stingray. Oh, you have to say da-da-da-da Stingray. I mean, it's just... Have you what seen have you, the funny faces? 
they're really scary. Yeah. <laughs> they're you're really playing, scary. Are you playing it? Can you hear I'm it? I'm not playing it. I've just typed in funny face. I'll see if there is an advert for it. There is. It's an um, old black and white advert. It's beautiful. Funny faces. Oh, made by walls. Yeah. Now made with rich Cornish ice cream. <laughs> now made with rich, yeah, yeah. I think we've got the gist of it. Brilliant. That was him, wasn't it, from Magic Roundabout? Definitely him. Definitely him. The comments Mr. on this one still sing this under my breath whenever I see a funny face. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine that talking to, you know, some famous politician or something and you're just going <laughs> Sorry, what was the honourable gentleman saying then? I was saying <laughs> no, you have I'm, a very funny face, sir. Funny, I'd funny like to draw face. the right honourable gentleman's attention to the funny face I gave some moments ago. <laughs> <laughs> Mr Speaker, <clears throat> two weeks ago you gave a funny face yes and i'll give another um thanks again Rand. anyway uh, for giving us that funny face uh, you've warmed the cockles of our hearts once more uh next week's podcast is entitled first action robots why i hear you ask well it's because we'll be going behind the scenes with the robots volume 4 starring nicola walker in the world of those robots created for the classic doctor who story <coughs> i'm coughing i got so excited then the it's classic doctor sentence. who story Robots of Death. What a story that one is as well. A bunch of robots in their pyjamas wandering around up to mischief uh, with funny <laughs> shoes. Uh, hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll be dramatizing with the first... Your, just walls to fill your shoe with ice cream. <laughs> Imagine putting your shoe on. And you're, oh. <laughs> it'd be very well, at least it's Cornish dairy ice cream. Well, it could... Scritching mean, between your toes. <laughs> Could be worse. Very chilly, though. Uh, we'll also be dramatizing with the first 15 minutes of a brand new science fiction series from Anderson Entertainment entitled yes. First Action Bureau, um, which is uh, it's fab, isn't it? It's fab, you know. <laughs> you see, you see what we did there. Yeah, very clever. High octane action and interplanetary adventure that will be truly mind bending. Oh! In the meantime, it's time to say thanks for listening, but goodbye for now. Thanks, Thanks for, listening, for listening, but, but goodbye, goodbye now. for now. Funny faces, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And now strap in for Super Marionation on audio. What? It's Thunderbirds. You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. Five... Four, three, two, one. Thunderbirds are go. Right, it speaks fantastic. Nothing shall withstand me. The Rolls Royce, please, Parker. Yes, belated. Scott, can you read me? Scott. We shall take over your world. Miss that guy, he'll stop at nothing. One shot, and the nerve center of international rescue will be destroyed. Anderson Entertainment presents Thunderbirds Terror from the Stars by John Faden.
Adapted by Andrew Clements. Narrated by Wayne Forrester. Thunderbirds Terror from the Stars Chapter 1 Mystery Satellite Two thousand miles above the whirling greenish-blue sphere of the Earth, Thunderbird 3 hurtled on number 5 orbit towards the International Rescue Space Station where John Tracy was waiting to be relieved at the end of his tour of duty. Scott Tracy grinned at the fair-haired young man who sat at the controls of the spaceship beside him. Now don't you and John ever get bored? Stuck up here, miles from nowhere, for a month on end, Alan? Mm, guess not, Scott. Too much to do and see to get bored. <laughs> Messages and programs coming in every minute of the 24 hours from thousands of radio stations. The pick of a thousand video programs at our fingertips. Oh, then there are the stars. Trillions of them. No one back on Earth ever saw stars like we see up here. Sure, I know. Well, they fascinate me too. Get me wondering, what goes on out there? Who lives there? But a month alone. Well, I like a bit of action, Alan. That's why Dad put you in charge of Thunderbird 1, I guess, Scott. You were always the one for adventure when we were kids. Always the tough guy. Remember how you wanted to be a Pony Express rider? <laughs> yeah, but I was just about 200 years too late. Well, and then it was a secret agent. But, uh, cloaks and daggers seemed kind of out of date, too. Lady Penelope's not out of date. Not by a million years. And she's as good as they come in the secret agent line. Uh, sure. But I'm no Lady Penelope. <laughs> You're telling me, brother. But you can't complain about lack of excitement since Dad started International Rescue. Nope, Alan. It's a great life. All the better for having a purpose. Getting kicks out of helping folks in distress? What could be better than that? Say, what's wrong? Uh, nothing from John yet. He usually comes through at this location. Uh, reception okay? Sure. I'm getting the auto-location signal all right, but... Uh, it's mighty strange. Scott looked at the silver-gray space station, which had now come into view beyond the rim of the Earth, gleaming in the sun like a remote humming top, hanging against the star-jeweled black velvet of space as it swung around the planet. Well, maybe he's forgotten. <laughs> you know what a dreamer he is. Always has his head up there among the stars. Give him a buzz. I don't like it, Scott. You figure something's happened to him? A meteor penetration? The hull's proof against meteors up to the 20th magnitude. Anything bigger than that, well, there's about one chance in a thousand years of it happening. Besides, if anything big enough to worry about had hit the station, it would have knocked out the communication system and alerted base. 
Maybe we ought to contact Dad through the auto relay. Relax. Uh, no need to scare anybody till we find out just what's happened, Alan. Could be the guy just got bored stiff for once and uh, dozed off. But Alan knew his elder brother didn't believe that any more than he did. Not once had John failed to make contact with some cheery greeting when his relief approached. It had become routine with him. And in spite of his head-in-the-clouds attitude at times, John was a stickler for routine, however inessential it might seem. Rapidly, the spaceship approached the station and swung into a tight orbit around it. Alan put the scanners on it, bringing the hull of the station into close-up. But there was no sign of John through the observation windows. Buzz him again. Space station from Thunderbird 3, standing by for boarding tube access. John, this is Alan. Can you read me? Oh, something's wrong. Mighty wrong. Yeah. The boarding tube entrance is still sealed, Alan. I'd better drift across in a spacesuit and operate the emergency airlock. FAB. Scott. Yeah? Watch your step. I don't like this at all. You mean, you figure there's danger? I don't know, Scott. It just doesn't add up, that's all. I mean, John not answering and no emergency alarm. Just take care. Will do. I'll keep in touch. He emerged from the airlock, hooked his lifeline to the hull of the ship, and propelled himself across to the station, clamping himself to it with his magnetic-soled boots while he peered through the observation panels. See anything? No. Everything seems to be normal. Except I can't see John. Stand by. I'm going in. Everything's working okay. I just don't get it. Oh, the radio monitors are still working. So there's nothing wrong electronically. Scott drew his pistol and snapped into position the yellow barrel, which would fire knockout darts that could render any enemy unconscious without permanently harming them. If there was someone in there, or something. At the thought, the short hairs at the base of his skull crawled. He steeled himself and walked through the hatchway, his pistol at the ready. He saw John immediately, slumped below the radio unit banks, a microphone clutched in his hand, lying in such a position that he could not have been seen through the observation windows. He seemed scarcely to be breathing. Scott's heart gave a little lurch. He swiftly cut the main receiver switch, leaving only the base and Thunderbird 3 channels open, then removed his gauntlets and went down on his knees beside his brother. His mouth dry with apprehension, he felt John's pulse. Scott, what's happened? Is John there? Yeah, he's here. Uh, alive? 
Uh, just about, I guess. You better come over, Alan. I'll prepare the boarding tube for you. SAB, be right with you. The large access port at the end of the boarding tube slid open, allowing the nose cone of the mighty spaceship to lock onto the mooring latches inside. In the control cabin, Alan swung his seat to face the opening that appeared in the wall, and in seconds, he was running along the access corridor into the space station control room. Alan's throat tightened when he saw Scott working on their brother, trying to give him artificial respiration. Keeping his dread in check, he knelt beside them. What's the matter with him, Scott? Oh, I don't know. It's just as though he's been hit by one of our own knockout darts. Except I can't find any wound. Reckon he could have fainted? <laughs> Whoever heard of a Tracy fainting, Alan? Besides, he'd have been round by now. International Rescue Space Station from base. Can you read me, John? I've been trying to read you. What goes on? I can't contact Scott and Alan either. Scott prized the microphone from his brother's nerveless fingers and stood up, flicking a switch on the video control console. On the monitor screen appeared the rugged features of a man who, but for the graying hair, might have been his own twin. Scott here, Dad. Alan's with me. We found John. Unconscious. Hold it. I think he's coming round. Scott watched anxiously as John's eyelids flickered open, then screwed themselves up against the bright light of the neon tubes. Alan gently raised his brother into a sitting position, and John opened his eyes again and smiled dazedly at him. Oh, hi, pal. Long time no see. John. Thank heavens you're okay. But what happened to you? Happened? Did something happen? Sure, must have. Scott found you lying here unconscious. You didn't check in on the video when we approached on the relief run. You faint or something? Me? Faint? Funny, I don't remember a thing happening to me. Last thing I remember was... Going to call you. Scott. Yes, Father. Better get him back to base. I'll have the doc fly out and check on him. Okay, Dad. We'll leave right away. See you around, Alan. I don't like this, Alan. Tracy's don't pass out for no reason. And if they did, they'd remember doing it. There's something mighty strange going on up there. You mean someone did that to John? But who? Your guess is as good as mine, son. But there are plenty of folks who'd go to extremes to steal our secrets. Knocking out John while they nosed around might be one way of doing it. But how could they get in without leaving some trace? Maybe they didn't. There are more ways of killing a wasp than hitting it with a swatter, son. See what you can find out. Check on John's audio log for a start. Maybe he recorded something that could help. Something he can't remember now. Okay, Father. I'll call you if I find a clue. Jeff Tracy's image vanished from the screen, and Alan switched the audio log to playback, 
setting the reading to the time when he'd last heard John checking with him in space. Midway between the station and Earth, Scott turned from the controls of Thunderbird 3 to smile at John. Well, how are you feeling, kid? Pretty good now, Scott. Still a bit dizzy. If only I could remember. What's wrong? Uh, nothing. Well, it's just that, well, there's a sort of dim recollection coming through now. You know, like, like a half-remembered dream. It's all hazy, but I think there was a USO. A space object you couldn't identify? Yeah. I was trying to check on it, and then, well, there just isn't any more, Scott. No? And I guess that's when you passed out. Could be that USO had something to do with it. Base to Thunderbird 3. Can you read me? Oh, what's wrong, Dad? I don't know, but Alan's gone off the air. He was speaking to me when he went out like a light. Get back there and see what's happened, Scott. Okay, Dad. But what about John? I'm all right, Scott. We've got to get back to Alum. Scott, his face grim, swung the spaceship in a thundering hundred-mile U-turn and sent it hurtling back towards the space station. By the time they reached it, Alan had not come through. Scott put on his spacesuit and entered through the emergency airlock again to find Alan slumped a few feet from where he had found John earlier. As he straightened from examining his unconscious brother, his father appeared on the monitor screen, which Alan had left switched on. How is he, son? Well, he seems much the same as John was when I first found him, Dad. Then it must be the same thing that knocked him out. He just found something in John's audio log. He was going to tell me about it when he passed out. Well, it wouldn't have been anything about a USO, would it, Father? I don't know. He didn't get that far. Say, where'd you get that about the USO? Uh, from John. You've been listening to a Big Finish production. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs>